Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Robots Radio presents... The Elder Scrolls Lorecast! Welcome to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Hey there, adventurers. This is Tom or Robots, as usual. And um, as uh, not usual, I wasn't able to do the live show last night because I'm still fighting a cold and I have uh, <laughs> uh, wasn't quite in the um, uh, mental <laughs> and physical place to be hosting a uh, patron chat episode as that takes a lot of energy and I just, I just didn't have it in me last night. But I'm starting to feel a little bit better and didn't want to leave you guys hanging without an episode this week. So it's, uh, you know, it's just me and you. There's no Lotus of Doom. There's no patrons. We'll do the patron episode next week instead. So thank you for your patience, patrons. Um, and again, I apologize for having to to delay that. But it's just like, you know, just like old times. It's uh, just me and you. So pull on up a, a comfy chair, you know, maybe a blanket. You know, sit yourself down by the fire. Stay a while and listen. Well, OK, so here, here, what are we talking about today? Well, there is the theory that has been pretty well debunked that the Elder Scrolls and Fallout are actually in the same universe. And we're still in that weird and wacky theories and, and lore section that we've been we've been covering. So I figured this one would be worth covering as well. And good old Uncle Pete. Again, this came up uh, sometime in the last year, I think maybe even while we were interviewing him for some some event that we were doing. Uh, every so often, I get the opportunity to do that, which is amazing. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And he's such a nice guy. And so patiently is like, well, no, it's not not they're not in the same universe. Let's remind everybody that Bethesda, although Fallout is now underneath, you know, the Bethesda umbrella, it didn't start out that way, whereas Elder Scrolls did. You know, they were two different game teams, two different designers, two different companies. So it wasn't created that way from the beginning. And he's reminded us of that. So please don't listen to this episode and go, oh, according to Tom and the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Elder Scrolls and Fallout Worlds are the same. They're, they're not. They're not. And they're very clear about that. But because the team that works on them is the same, there are some fun little nuggets that connect the two. And this is this is extra lore. This is like a meta lore, right? And so there are reasons why people think that this may, might be the case. So I thought it would be fun to go over some of these in kind of a quick little episode today in order to make sure that you guys at least get something. So the first of these, and, and a lot of these are actually... Uh, um, summed up pretty well according to this screenrant.com article on this and there's a number of articles about this that have come out over the last few years but this one was actually published in february of this year as kind of a uh, uh a nice summary of all the different points as to why it is that people thought that this was the case to begin with and so let's start with sweet rolls everybody loves a good sweet roll right well 
sweet rolls show up in Elder Scrolls and Fallout. All right, so you get the same item in both places. And according to this article, it says sweet rolls are a staple in the Elder Scrolls lore, a basic item that's been available since the very first game in Elder Scrolls Arena. In Skyrim, guards occasionally mock the player by asking if someone stole their sweet roll. These delicious treats made the jump to Fallout in Fallout 3 in that game's starting level. One of the players, fellow vault dwellers, Lucy Palmer, bakes the best sweet rolls. She makes one for the vault dweller's birthday. So, right, we've got like a similar item in both universes, but both of those items make sense, right? In the modern world, we have sweet rolls. It makes sense that people in Fallout would have carried on those recipes into the vaults. And in the world of Elder Scrolls, they make sweet rolls as well. In fact, I think every culture has their own form of some sort of sweet roll or donut or something, right? Like everybody makes this, right? So, okay, that one's pretty limited. What if we get a little bit more specific here? Let's move from sweet rolls to not like a prepared meal or prepared prepared item, but an actual plant. What about Nernroot? Well, we know Nernroot from the Elder Scrolls shows up pretty regularly in the games, right? It's something you collect. In fact, this was something that um, was a very important item that you could find in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion and has been in many of the games uh, since then. And according to the article, it says Nernroots are another long running item in the Elder Scrolls. They're a mysterious glowing plant that emits a low hum and they could be used in many different crafting recipes for powerful bonuses. They're usually found near water. They first appeared in Fallout in Fallout 4 where they're called experimental plants. And this is, I believe Lotus and I have talked about this before. It actually shows up in the Brotherhood of Steel ship, the Prudwin, in a specific section of the ship where some of the scribes are doing experiments with some of these plants when it's actually the same exact model with a different texture on it whereas the nern root in the elder scrolls games looks like a bluish greenish color these are kind of more purplish with kind of a uh a bluish splotching on them i guess you could say so okay so you've got nern root showing up in both all right, so same kind of plant in both worlds. Now you're getting to this theory that like, okay, if these are in the same universe, how does that make sense? And a lot of people were justifying, okay, maybe Fallout is a continuation of the world of Nern into modern and future times. Like maybe Elder Scrolls is the past, maybe Fallout is the future. That could make sense, except that, you know, the land masses don't actually match up with anything. And then you could say, well, you know, over time things change and eventually the land masses would look like the modern world and we would end up with America and then we'd end up with the events of Fallout and the future and all that. Or one of the other justifications was potentially that these are different Kelpas that in one Kelpa, and we talked about Coda recently and how this concept that like, what if things were to play out differently in the future of a, a current Kelpa in like the fifth era or in a completely different Kelpa altogether and you end up with spaceships and traveling to planets and all that kind of stuff, right? Well, if you end up with a different Kelpa and the events occur differently, then what happens if magic and technology are really the same thing? You know, anything that looks 
too far into the future. Any any uh any sufficiently advanced technology will look like magic to somebody who doesn't understand what it's doing. So maybe that could be it. You know, there there's some there's some other justifications for that. Then we also have the fact that the Dragonborn helmet shows up in Fallout 4 as well. And here's what the article says, the same article, the ScreenRant.com one. It says, in Fallout 4, the player can locate several magazines that offer free stat or cosmetic upgrades. Issue 12 of Taboo Tattoos gives the player a free face tattoo. And who wouldn't want that? But on the cover, players can spot a skull with a ram's horn helmet. And it looks like the traditional Dovahkin uh, oh, what is it? Iron helmet, I believe it is, right? It's the iron helmet with the horns that come down. And of course, this is just another callback to the other game. Skyrim came out before Fallout 4. The artists were like, what are the kinds of tattoos that you would want in here? What if you had a cool looking helmet? Let's do one that looks kind of like Skyrim. Hey, look at that. So that's another another one of those little like this is this is a connection, but that doesn't mean that they're in the same universe, right? Then we have this one. This one is interesting. In Fallout 4, the player can locate Lorenzo Cabot in the basement of the Parson State Insane Asylum. Cabot has been trapped in the asylum because he wears a crown that's driven him insane. The player learns that Cabot found the crown on an archaeological dig in 1894, and that it fused with Cabot's nervous system. The crown has granted him strength, telekinesis, and resistance to various damage, making him a formidable mini-boss. This is in Fallout. This is weird. Now, Fallout isn't without its, like, Elder gods and Cthulhu-esque kinds of uh, lore. There's definitely some of that in Fallout, and there's always been some of that in Fallout. We get some of uh, Fallout 76. We get these references to cryptids in Fallout 4 and Fallout 3. We get these locations where you can find excavations deep underground where it looks like people were looking for or digging up or worshiping maybe some sort of ancient entities well it goes on and says for the player lorenzo's crown is only equipable via console commands but fans of the elder scrolls for oblivion might remember lorenzo's crown as the alien crown of nenalata that crown that granted the wearer protection from magic spells although it didn't drive the wearer insane now, that might sound like pretty solid evidence, this idea that there is an exact item in both games. But before you get too excited, this isn't the exact item. In fact, I have some I have some qualms about this even being included in this article, because although it may bestow similar effects on the wearer, they really don't look very similar at all. The Lorenzo's crown has a uh, it almost looks like a headdress with with kind of a mechanical uh, shape over the ears, almost like uh, headphones descending over the ears. And in the center of the forehead, there's what looks like a, a large circular object. 
almost like a like a ball or an orb. Um, the crown of Nenalata looks like a uh, kind of like an elven crown with wings that come up um, on the top in the center of the of the head. These two crowns don't look similar at all, other than the fact that. I don't know, they're helms, they, they look like helmets with some sort of fancy items that kind of stick off the top. They might be similar colors and that they're kind of bronzish. But other than that, they really aren't that similar at all. So I think that this was probably one. And, and the reason why this article is, is bringing this up is because it's something that people have traditionally called into question and said, well, look at this. They're, they're very similar. And it's like, eh, they're not really that similar. <laughs> I think people are, are fishing here for something that's not really there right now. There are a few other details that are worth bringing up. And this article goes into specifically um, cut Skyrim Easter eggs that show up in Fallout 4. It says here the Skyrim Easter egg or this Skyrim Easter egg was cut from Fallout 4. But if it had been included, it would have been one of the most extensive links between the two series. At one point, Fallout 4 had an entire quest line in which the player travels to Danvers, home of the real-life Salem Witch Trials. There, the player would have discovered a group of mutated children with magical powers. These powers would have been based on the magical abilities from the Elder Scrolls series. In the end, incorporating the Elder Scrolls magic system into Fallout was too complex. Bethesda merged the town of Danvers with the town of Salem, and the quest line got the axe. So... It never actually happened. I also have to wonder, like, what does that mean by these children having magic powers that exist in from the Elder Scrolls series? I mean, are they casting fireballs? That seems generic. Uh, are they Fusro dying? That would be very specific, but I don't think that that's what these children were, were doing. This idea that, like, they have magic powers, again, seems pretty general. And it was a cut thing. It didn't actually make it into the game. So... If it was an important connection, then it probably would have gotten a little bit more of a priority, right? So although this is a fun theory and it's definitely in the weird and wacky realm, it's not something that really holds water when you start to analyze it. And as we've as I've said at the beginning, both Todd and Pete have said that this really isn't a thing, but it's always fun to find the the Easter eggs that the developers drop into these games, the fact that they're fans of their own work, you know, the, the fact that like some of them have worked on a number of these. Um, there's the interview we did. Uh, this is this actually might be worth bringing up. Um, if you don't listen to the Fallout lore cast, go check out the episode where we did an interview with Nate Perkypile because he worked on a number of these games across both of these series. And it's really cool to get the perspective from the developers and the designers of these games as to what their influences are and how they come up with the things they're going to add into these games. And from a lore perspective, keeping in mind that the concepts and the content that shows up in these games are constantly being invented and reinvented and refined and we need to keep our minds open to that. That's something that we often forget. Um, I, I find that a lot of people, when they get really strung up on like, this is the way it is, this is the way the lore is, then it can't change from that. 
they're forgetting that these are living universes that are constantly being added to and they're constantly being revised and every new game is going to change that so you can't hold to any one concept too tightly because it may not fit into the greater picture as well as you think it should and in the end because just because we have headcanon about something doesn't mean that it's real we have to wait and see what the developers do so just my two cents on that stuff but if you guys have been listening to the show for a while you you know that as well so i hope you enjoyed this quick little episode i'm sorry i couldn't get you a regular episode this week but uh, i appreciate your patience with me on this stuff and uh, even your patience with me having not a perfect voice uh, at all on this episode as well because I, I definitely don't sound like myself but um but thanks for tuning in and being there i w- we will be back next week with a regular episode hopefully i will be feeling a hundred percent And I look forward to talking with our patrons because that's going to be super fun as well. So regular time, regular place, twitch.tv slash robots radio, 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday night is the place to be. And I can't end the episode without thanking our patrons because you guys are the best, especially Daniel O and Noodle Al Dente, our tier five patrons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys get called out every week because tier five and up gets gets called out every week. And if you want to join us live on the show all you have to do is sign up as as a tier four or higher and thank you to all 50 we're we're at that 50 mark i would love to hit 55 over this next month so if we've done anything to keep you entertained during your workday during your commutes helping you your your life just feel a little bit more enjoyable while doing mundane things then please consider checking out patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast and looking at the different tiers and seeing if there's anything that you would like to sign up for. There's a bunch of different stuff that we give you for helping to support the show. So go check that out. And thanks again for tuning in, everybody. I'll see you next week and have a great weekend. All right. See you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey, I'm Pylon. And I'm Doc. And if you've ever played an Elder Scrolls game, you've probably used UESP.net to help you find information about a quest, dive deeper into lore, or really learn anything about the Elder Scrolls. But did you know we have a podcast too? Every week we bring you the latest in Elder Scrolls news, dig deeper into topics surrounding the game, and have a ton of fun while doing it. You can find us on your favorite podcatcher by searching the unofficial Elder Scrolls podcast. Can't wait to see you all there. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel. Once upon a time, 27 years after the bombs fell, there were two people, a vault dweller and a California girl. They met 
and sparks flew. That's when things got interesting. Once Upon a Wasteland is their story. Follow Elizabeth Kirby and Odessa Valdez as they pursue their happily ever after in the post-apocalyptic Appalachian wasteland of Fallout 76. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and many other podcasting platforms. Once Upon a Wasteland, a Fallout 76 love story. Available now.